Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Honestly, guys, I've been looking forward to this uh, for the whole Purity series. Um, really because, you know, there's a lot of area that I don't have a whole lot of experience in. Um, but there are some areas that I have more experience in than others. Um, and, and in that experience, some of it's good and some of it's bad. And so what I'm going to be talking about tonight is a mix of both. Um, but I kind of wanted to give you guys a little backstory. There's a lot of new faces here. And, um, and so I'm just going to give you a little synopsis about, uh, kind of my, my synopsis is a big word. Somebody liked that. I heard him say it. Uh, kind of about like where I'm coming from. I like, I don't know about you, but when someone's talking to me, I like to know, uh, where they're coming from. I like to know their heart behind something. Um, it helps me to either, um, listen better or not. <laughs> so I want to at least give you uh, that ammunition. Um, so hey, look, look, you know, before I surrendered my life to Jesus, um, I lived a lifestyle. Honestly, it was before this whole YOLO phrase got popular. Before YOLO, like I kind of lived that way. Like, man, you know what? Like seriously, my philosophy was if it feels good, do it. You only live once. Um, it was kind of the whole, hey, you better get everything bad out of your system before you get married. Because once you get married, that's it. There's no more fun to be had. So if you're going to do it, you better do it now. And that was really, that's how I lived my life. That was uh, my philosophy. So I want to tell you guys real quick about a night, um, the night that I, I really believe started my pursuit of God. And so before I was a Christian, I was, I was, I was raised in a certain denomination, but never knew God, didn't have a relationship with God. Uh, and then I became an atheist for uh, probably about two or three years and just really, really didn't believe in God. Um, well, this one particular night, I would say, would be the night that I started pursuing God again. And um, I'll give you uh, some details of the night. So I had a, a an apartment, a four-bedroom apartment. I was in college. And um, we had this huge party at my apartment. Sorry. We had this huge party um, at my apartment. And... um Man, I think we might have had 50 people in this four-bedroom apartment pre-gaming before we were going out. And, um, I mean, we were drinking and just doing, doing everything we could to try to save money at the bar, honestly. And then we got out. Uh, we went out from, like, 10 to midnight. And then midnight, we had an after party at my apartment. And, um, you know, drinking, smoking, the whole nine yards. Um, and that night at about 5 o'clock, the party kind of winded down. And um, I was drunk. I was high. Um, I had just done some things I, I really shouldn't have been doing, especially in the area of purity. And I was by myself. I was at my house, at my apartment in my room. And I looked up, and, and that's when I made the comment to God, hey, God, if you're real, and uh, if you're man enough to show me you're real, uh, then I'll be man enough to follow you the rest of my life. And, and that's whenever I really started to want to pursue after God. So why am I telling you? all these details. Uh, really, like I said, I don't want to stand up here and talk to you about purity. And I don't want to stand up here and tell you, you should, you should wait till you're married to have sex or, or tell you uh, relationship do's and don'ts and all those types of things if you think that I've never made the wrong decisions. I'm saying this from, from a point of view of, man, listen, I made the wrong decisions. And when people tell you the right things to do, it's not cliche. They mean it. 
and, um, and I didn't always know the right things to do. I made those wrong choices, and I paid for it. There's a quote that I want to read to you guys. It says, good judgment comes from wisdom. Wisdom comes from experience. Experience comes from poor judgment. So I'll read that again. Good judgment comes from wisdom. Wisdom comes from experience, and experience comes from poor judgment. So I have good judgment in the area of sexual purity because I've developed wisdom from my experiences that have come from my poor judgment. Um, The problem is this. You don't just get wisdom from poor judgment, especially in the area of purity. You get a lot of baggage and a lot of heartache. And the big deal is it's not necessary. It's not necessary. And the reason it's not necessary, it's totally unavoidable. And there's one more quote that I want to read you. It says, it takes a wise man to learn from his mistakes, but it takes a much wiser man to learn from the mistakes of others. And so honestly, my prayer and my hope is that tonight, if you've never made some of these mistakes, number one, that um, you would learn from mine and you wouldn't make them. And uh, if you're currently making these mistakes, I want you to know they're mistakes, man, and uh, that you would stop making them. And if you feel like you can't stop making them, I, will, I would hope, number three, that you will want to come and, 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 and let me have a chat with you if you're kind of in a position where you're like, man, you know what? I am in this lifestyle, and I don't want to be because I know what that's like too. And so whenever I got saved, I started praying this prayer, and it was something along the lines of this. You know, God, I want you to make me the man that you want me to be, um, the husband that you want me to be, and the dad that you want me to be. And, and I've added since then the pastor that you want me to be. Um, I'm telling you that because I want you to know that the, the rest of this message is sin, it's sincerely from the heart of from uh, the heart of a friend, a man, um, a pastor, and I'm not old enough to be anybody's dad in here. But um, when I was praying, I, I said, "God, what would I tell my son if I had a son? What would I tell him in the area of purity, especially if I had a limited amount of time?" And so I came up with a checklist. I came up with like the guy's checklist. And, I, and there's four things that I want to tell you about. And then at the end of it, if I was telling my son to look for something in a girl, um, I have three things for there. So the first thing on the guy's checklist is I want you to understand and respect the power of a woman. Now that might sound a little weird. You might not think women are powerful, uh, but they are. And I want you to understand and respect that. Whenever I was a small kid, um, my dad told me something, um, and I didn't understand that at the time, but you ever hear something and you're like, oh, wow, I don't understand that, but I know one day I'm going to understand that, so I'm going to hold on to it. This is what he told me. Um, He said, Brady, a woman is one of the most powerful beings in the world. I've seen a little petite woman bring a 6'5", 300-pound man to his knees. And he just paused. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then then he finished. He said, but I've also seen a woman convince the most unqualified man that he could do something, and he did it successfully. So two totally different drastic outcomes, but the influence was from this little bitty woman. And so my dad had no idea, and neither did I at the time, but he was actually speaking some biblical truth here. And in Proverbs 31 Uh, verses one through three, we read this. It says, these are the sayings of King Lemuel 
an oracle that his mother taught him. So the king's mom's teaching him this. She's saying this. Oh, my son, son of my womb, oh, son of my promises, do not spend your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. She's telling her son, who's a king, hey, listen, don't spend your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. So of everything that she could start Proverbs 31 with, that's the thing she starts it with. Um, but I, I think this is more impactful when you understand who King Lemuel is. Has anybody ever heard of him any time in the Bible ever other than this? All right, a lot of historians, a lot of theologians agree that King Lemuel was actually Solomon. Lemuel was a nickname. So think about this. This is Solomon's mom telling him, hey, don't give your strength to women. His mom was Bathsheba. And for those of you who are familiar with the story, that's who David slept with. And what happened to David? He lost his kingdom. He lost his kingdom. And so she's saying that from experience. Hey, don't waste your strength on women, those who ruin kings. That brings a little bit more weight. Now, she's certainly not saying don't marry or to stay away from women, right? Because the rest of the whole chapter of Proverbs 31 is titled a wife of noble character. So she's pretty much telling him, hey, don't waste your strength on women. And then she's talking about a wife of noble character. Really, to sum up what she's saying is there are certain types of women and and. There are types that you don't want to waste your strength on, and there are types that you want to pursue. And Proverbs 4.23 says this. It kind of sums up what she was saying. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I like the way the NLT says it. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. It affects everything you do. You know, I had a friend of mine. um, He was a roommate of mine for a little while in college. And he had dated a girl in high school for about three years, went to college. Um, They had a sexual relationship. Neither one of them were Christians. They weren't living godly lives. And their relationship certainly wasn't like a healthy Christian relationship. Um, It was strongly based on sex. Well, man, she ended up cheating on him, and it just wrecked his world. Like, this dude went into super party mode. He ended up dropping out of college. Um, squandering a whole lot of his parents' money, getting real deep off into drugs. And, you know, honestly, like nowadays, he's kind of back and forth between, you know, selling drugs, he's in and out of a job. And, and man, it's crazy. But the truth of this, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. That is the event that led him to take that path in his life. And he'll tell you that. He'll tell you that. He'll tell you that. But this is the thing. God created women for men, and he created them with the ability to strongly influence them. So it's not an accident that this is the case. Um, I want to read you from the creation of women. I want to take a few excerpts from that really quick, but I'm going to sum up some of it. Is this, you know, when God created the earth, it says he created the earth out of nothing. So it really says his spirit hovered over the deep or the darkness, And then, boom, he created land, stars, the sun, the moon, this whole process that we know of as creation, he created. And then he creates Adam, and he's standing there, and he's talking to Adam. And then this is the dialogue that God is talking to the first man he ever made. So this is what God is saying. The Lord God said, 
It's not good for man to be alone. So he's seeing all of these things. He called it all good. If you read Genesis, it says he created the sea and called it good. He created the land and called it good and on and on. But then it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So God acknowledges there's no suitable helper. So he creates companions. I mean, if you have a dog, you know, hey, they say a dog's a man's best friend, right? Imagine this. Like Adam is around all these animals. And a lot of people believe like before sin entered the world that a lot of these animals weren't vicious towards men. A lot of people believe that because they say that like if animals are in heaven, when it says creatures will be praising God, the word creatures there is the same word for creatures when it talks about the creation of creatures in Genesis. They believe that we'll get along with a lion. And so when we think about this, he had every man's best friend you could think of and God still said no suitable helpers found. Verse 21 says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. So like, think about this. That's the last thing God created was a woman. And she created him for a suitable helper. Now, the word helper right there in Greek is the same word helper for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. They use the same word, helper. To me, that's significant because there's the word helper a whole lot of other places in the Bible, and it's not the same word. Now, I'm not saying like a woman and the Holy Spirit are the same, but I would say that they're both pretty impactful. And so whenever I'm thinking about this, I think about the context of what happened with David. David was brought down because he allowed Satan to pervert God's pure context of a woman's influence on a man. He allowed him to pervert it. In Proverbs 18, 22, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. So if we're thinking about the power of a woman, I think we can conclude there that you should guard your heart because women are powerful both in and out of context. If they're, do- if they're in the right place, they can make you. If they're in the wrong place, according to the Bible, they can break you. That's why you have to guard your heart. So that's the first thing I would tell my son. The second thing I would say is be a gentleman. Be a gentleman. You ever heard that saying, chivalry is dead? Okay, well, it shouldn't be. (laughs) It shouldn't be dead. Chivalry shouldn't be dead. 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 through 2, it says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him or encourage him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. And check this part out. Treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So being a gentleman, that means being pure in your words, the way you talk. It means being pure in your thoughts. And it means being pure in your actions. It means being respectful and being gentle. And I like Southern hospitality. I I, I mean, the Bible doesn't come right out and say open doors for ladies, but hey, I think if if it tells you to treat them as your mother, if you do that for your mom, you should do it for girls. So be a gentleman. Um, there's an old saying that I heard growing up, and I have seen this to be very true as well. It says, girls, 
Watch how a guy treats his mother and guys, watch how a girl treats her father because that's most likely how she'll treat you. Girls, watch how a guy treats his mother and watch how uh, a guy treats his father because that's most likely how they'll treat you. So I just want to ask you, um, how are you treating the women in your life? How are you treating the women in your life? Do you treat your mom with gentleness and love and respect? Um, Do you make her nag you to pick up your clothes off the floor or pick your shoes up off the ground? see some faces like, ugh. Do you honor her? Do you raise your voice at your mom? The reason I'm asking these questions is because the habits that you build before you get married aren't just going to change because you get married. There's a lot of truth to the fact that the habit of the way you treat the women in your life is going to be the same way that you treat your wife. And so if I tell my son one, one more thing, it would be, be a gentleman. Job 31 verse 1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman. So that part of the verse that we read a while ago that says treat the young women with purity. Job made a covenant. Are you treating girls around you with purity? Are your motives in your heart pure? Or are they not? Don't think that just if you look at girls inappropriately now that you're going to stop doing that when you get married. Because that's not true. If you lust after girls now, if you're always checking out girls inappropriately now, that's not going to change when you get married. One thing that, that guys, single guys, and it's, it's way more common than I think people realize, is, man, guys deal with porn. And a lot of times people feel like, hey, once I get married, I'm not going to struggle with that anymore. Hey, guys, a lot of my, listen, I have a lot of friends who are married, and they'll tell you that's not true. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to continue to be a struggle. So don't think that just waiting is going to take that away. The temptation to lust after a woman will never go away. So the time to discipline yourself is now. So really quick, you know, how many of you know that there is a difference between temptation and sin? Because that can be a blurred area. Sometimes we could feel like, man, if I'm tempted, then I must be sinful. Um, But guys, there is a difference. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way but was without sin. So if Jesus was tempted in every way and was without sin, that means that we can be tempted and without sin. I had a pastor friend of mine when he was talking on the subject of temptation and sin regarding purity and checking girls out. This is what he told me and some of my friends a few years back. Um, He said, it's not the look that's the problem. It's the look after the look that's the problem. So he said, it's not the look that's the problem, it's the look after the look that's the problem. He said, temptation's the first look. If a girl walks by and you catch yourself looking and you turn away, you didn't just sin, that's called temptation. The temptation is to look back the second time. When you look back the second time, that's checking the girl out. That's the sin. And I just thought, wow, you know, number one, that can be liberating and it can be convicting. It could could be freeing of the person who thinks they're sinning all the time because they're attracted to girls. Don't live in that condemnation because that's not the case. <laughs> you, that's how God made you, right? Be fruitful and multiply. That means you want to have sex. It's okay. The context of where you have the sex and the context of who you're looking at is what God is caring about. That's what purity is. So be a gentleman by treating women with respect, gentleness, and purity. And the third thing I would tell, I would want to tell you tonight is be a protector. Be a protector. Every girl grows up playing 
these little rescue games of how like this knight in shining armor, just man, she's in this tower and man, it's about to burn down. There's a dragon in the tower and this guy comes and rescues her and rides away on this horse. Like every girl, when they're little, they think that way. But the, the thing about that is every guy has it in his heart to be a protector. And I'll give you an example. And many of you would probably have the same story. The first like fist fight I ever got in in my life was over someone talking about my mom. How many of you guys have gotten angry when someone said something about your mom? <laughs> Josh is amen. Yeah, but, but God made us that way. You're supposed to be defensive of your mom. Good for you because you're supposed to protect the honor of the women that you love. And it starts with your mom, but it should transition to the women in your life. Now, I want to tell you one more quick story um, when it comes to protection and protecting the girl. Um, When you date someone and when you marry them, you're going to feel the same way about protecting them. Um, And honestly, your first job in protecting girls is protecting a girl from you. I'm going to say that again. Your first job in protecting a girl is protecting her from you. Listen, when I first got saved, it was about a, a year. I wasn't looking for a girlfriend, and I, I dated a girl after about a year. I was a Christian. And, man, it was awesome. We got along great. Um, I really thought I was going to marry this, this girl at this point. And, uh, man, we'd read the Bible together. We would pray together. We never argued. She was totally my type. Every guy has a type, you know, just totally my type. And I never thought about, like, I've heard of people say, like, set boundaries and all that type of stuff. Um, but I never thought about that. And um, you know what? One night, man, we were, we were hanging out, and uh, we're at our, at our apartment. It was just us. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. It happened way faster than I thought. And now we didn't have sex, but we went f- way too far. And um, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. Up until that point, that relationship was so pure, I felt, I could feel it. I could feel the blessing of God on this relationship. I mean, we prayed together. We read the Bible together. Everything was pure. We never did anything that we shouldn't have done. And I'm telling you, whenever we slipped up, I felt, I felt just the blessing of God come off of that relationship. And I tried to make it work, but honestly, guys, the whole rest of the time, it was all my efforts. I didn't, we would argue like we never argued before. It was, it wasn't as smooth as it had ever been. And you know what? One of the hardest things was having to witness um, the hurt that I had caused in her because I was responsible, because I'm the protector. And so I want to say the same to you guys is your first job in protecting your girlfriend or your one-day fiancé or your wife is your first job is protecting her from you when you start dating. And the way that you do that is you create boundaries. That's the way that you do that. You create boundaries. I want to read you a, another scripture really quick. Um, in Ephesians 5, through 27, it says, You wives will submit to your husbands as you do the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the body, his church, and he gave his his life for her to be the Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to everything your husband, to your husbands and everything. Let's pause right there. Normally, that's the only thing that us guys get out of that verse is, that's right, 
I'm the head of this place. Like, I'm ruling this. I'm running things. That's usually what we get. But let's read the rest of this a little bit more critically. As you husbands must love your wives the same with the same love Christ showed the church, he gave his life up for her, right here, to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So we usually just read, husband is the head of the wife. Wife, submit to your husband. But when we read, to make her holy and clean, present her to a glorious church without, so to present her without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, she will be holy and without fault. Guys, it's your job, it's my job to protect her holiness and her purity. That's their job. That's our job. Not just that. If the man is the head of the household and the head of the relationship, that doesn't start in marriage. That starts right now. The headship, the leader, being a leader does not start when you get married. It starts before you start dating. It starts the way you, you think. It starts the way you pursue, you pursue purity with your own life, with the way that you relate to the women in your life now. How you lead the women in your life now is going to be how you lead the women in your life when you're married. And there is no transition season. The time is now. And so how many of you have heard the phrase boundaries before? Boundaries. Okay. Well, most of you have, but you know what? If you haven't, simply put, boundaries are safeguards um, or, or like set limits to protect lines from being crossed. And I'll give you some real simple examples. I think paint a good picture. Uh, when you're driving down the road, you know that yellow line on your left side that, t- that tells you, hey, don't cross this line because cars are coming from the opposite direction? That's a boundary, right? It's easy to cross. How about if it's a two-lane road, you've got those little dotted yellow, I mean, uh, white lines, right? That's a, that's a boundary. You can cross those, but be careful. Be cautious. That's a different lane. There's two lanes right there. So you got those boundaries. Anybody ever go to the bank? You can't drive a car into the doors of the bank because there's these posts, if you ever notice, in front of a bank. It's a boundary. It's protecting that. Fort Knox, that's where all the gold, the country's gold is held. Fort Knox is protected by gates, steel bars. I mean, it is like the most protected place in the country. You can't get into Fort Knox, right? The, the more precious the item, the bigger the boundary. And so how much should purity be worth? How much should your wife be worth? How much should the girl you're dating be worth? I would say that the boundary that you should set should be pretty stiff. But to be truth, truthful with you guys, um, before uh, I was, uh, you know, ever into the whole boundary setting thing, I honestly thought it was for like weak people or people with no self-control or religious people. And that's not the case, you know. Boundaries are for people who are serious about what they're protecting. And so if you want to set boundaries, let me give you just three simple ways to do that. The first one is pray about what they should look like in your life and ask God. A lot of times people say, well, man, I don't know how to hear God. I learned how to hear God from asking him, going on what I thought was right and messing up and realizing, whoa, I better really try to hear God. I find when I mess up hearing God, I get a whole lot more serious about trying to hear him. And so what I would say is the first thing you need to do is pray and ask God what those boundaries should look like in your life and in your relationships. The second thing is 
Get the input of your parents. I know when I say that, a lot of people are like, yeah, right, the last thing I'm going to do is ask my parents. But listen, guys, your parents were your age once, and a lot of them made some unwise decisions, and they've got good judgment because of unwise decisions and bad experiences. So allow them to speak into your life on these areas. And then the third thing is have an older friend that you trust to give you input and hold you accountable. That's what small groups are. That's what small groups are. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is focus on becoming the one, not finding the one. Um, I'm going to elaborate more on that stuff um, at another time because I think this is going to be a little bit different of a message I want to preach to everyone. So I'm going to skip over that for time's sake. Um, But I do want to hurry up because this is going to be a lot quicker, maybe five tops, five minutes tops. It's going to be the girls checklist. Okay, first thing for the girls. She's got to be hot. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so many of you thought I was serious. All right. No. Um, but seriously, wa- watch how she treats other guys or other men, um, especially her dad, her brothers, or other guys that are close to her in her life. Like we said about us earlier, the quote that I read, girls, watch how guys treat his mother, and guys, watch how girls treat her father, because that's most likely how they'll treat you. It is the truth. Is she respectful to her dad or other men in her life, or does she act with disrespect? Is she kind? Is she peace-loving? Does she like to make peace, or is she contentious? Does she like to fuss, fight, and argue? Um, don't, you know, don't expect, if she's not any of those things, don't expect them to be any different with you. There is always a honeymoon phase. Watch how people treat people who are close to them in their lives long term. And that'll tell you what you're going to end up with. Um, The second thing is pay attention to her relationship with God. Now, of course, I'd say that I'm a pastor at a church, but let me tell you why I think that's important. Um, The thing about that is that she, she cannot possibly treat you with the respect that you were created to be treated with if she doesn't know and respect the creator. Okay, She has to know God. And she has to have a respect for God to understand how she should respect you. Um, when a person has a relationship with God, that also means they care about what he has to say. So that means they're listening to him through prayer. That means they're going to listen through reading their Bible. That means they're going to they're gonna listen through godly counsel, people in their lives, right? And a woman who isn't submitted to God makes her own decisions and on things that are right and wrong. And if there's no limit, to what's right and wrong to her. If there's no book that's going to tell her this is right, this is wrong, if there's no godly counsel or godly wisdom, then how are you ever going to settle disputes when you get into them? Who makes the rules at that point if God is not the rule maker in her life? 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That includes being a woman, a wife, or a mom. Now, lastly, um, make sure she's a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, I know that some of you who have been in church for a little while would kind of think that might sound cheesy. Um, here's what I mean by that. The, the, the chapter, Proverbs 31, is titled, A Wife of Noble Character. A Wife of Noble Character. 
It's all about a godly woman. A few examples from the chapter are verse 26. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Another verse says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So I'm going to leave you guys with some homework for time's sake. Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7, they give you examples of an immoral woman or the seductress or the adulteress, right? Those are the women you want to avoid because they're not going to, as you read, they'll tell you where that leads you to. And, um, and I didn't need to read that to experience it. I wish I would have read it and avoided it, but it doesn't lead you in a good track. So I want you to, I would challenge you to do this. Read over those three regularly as a single guy. Proverbs 5, Proverbs 7, and Proverbs 31. This is why I would read over that stuff regularly. When you meet a girl and you start to become interested, you'll, in, you'll instantly identify her somewhere in there. Like instantly the Holy Spirit will bring a verse up to your mind. Like maybe she'll do something promiscuous and you'll see that a lot. And you'll think, oh goodness, man, this looks, this sounds like a Proverbs 5 thing or a Proverbs 7 thing. But the, the, the other side is true as well. Maybe you'll meet a girl and she'll say, or say and do some things that you're like, oh man, that's like a Proverbs 31 thing. That's what you want to pursue. And so I'm going to repeat the checklist. First thing, understand and respect the power of a woman. The second thing, be a gentleman. The third thing, be a protector. And the fourth thing, Focus on becoming the one, not finding the one. And the girl's checklist, watch how she treats the men in her life. How is her relationship with God? And is she a Proverbs 31 woman? Let's stand, guys. And I just want to pray over you guys. This is not an easy thing to navigate. Like I said in week one, God created us with a desire for companionship. And he created us with a desire for sex or a desire for intimacy. And we have to navigate that stuff with wisdom because we want to end up with the person that God has made for us. And so if you want to just close your eyes and bow your heads, I'm just going to pray over you. And let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would give us a a, a real revelation, God. Start to reveal to us even more of what it means that a woman is powerful. God, we know that out of context, a woman could destroy kings, but in context, they can encourage us and, and complete us like nothing else in the world. And God, we want to we wanna understand that more so that we can do a better job at looking for the right thing and doing things in the right timing. God, help us to be more of a gentleman, pursuing purity, and God, loving women in a way that's respectful, honorable, and treating them with not just respect and honor, but, but gentleness and purity. God, help us be a protector. Help us be uh, responsible with our decisions. God, let us be responsible enough to set boundaries when they need to be set. Let us take the initiative to do those types of things. God, we know that leadership in relationships and leadership with, with women starts now. It doesn't start when we start dating or when we get married. It starts now. And God, help us to be focused on becoming the one rather than finding the one. God, help us to seek you first and let everything else be added to us. God, I pray that our influences will be godly influences. That, Lord, although we're surrounded with a world that tells us to pursue everything but purity and holiness, although we're surrounded with that, God, I pray that your voice will be louder through your word, through prayer, 
and through people in our lives that are godly people. And God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.